And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he's known as mild-mannered TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Welcome to the 63rd episode of Charlie's Geek Cast. I am your host, Charlie Niemeyer, and today we are checking out another adventure of Superman in a title that is not The Adventures of Superman. This is just called Superman. And we're going to be concluding our big Vartox Lana Superman story that we had going on for a couple of issues before we were interrupted by the action issue from last week. So we're going to take a quick break, play a promo, and I'll be right back with our story. Charlie's GeekCast will return after these promos. The Too Old, Too New Podcast. A show dedicated to reviewing books from the bins and recent reads. I'm Bill. And I'm Seth. Be sure to listen to us on our Too Old, Too New Comic Book Podcast. Where we talk about two old comic books and two new comic books every episode. Comic book fans don't miss out. Too Old, Too New is available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. Richard Richard Pryor? Yes, it's Superman 3 Movie Minute. On Superman 3 Movie Minute... We'll be examining Richard Lester's 1983 film, Five Minutes at a Time. This time around, we don't just have Superman. We have evil Superman, Lana Lang, a scary robot lady, and yes, Richard Pryor. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Oh, you don't know about me and him? Me and Superman? Gotta keep them separated. Superman number 392 sported a cover date of February 1984 and an on sale date of November 10th, 1983. It had a cover price of 75 cents, and we've got basically. Vartox hitting Superman with an energy blast while Lana precariously hangs upside down. It's not Kane's best cover. The layout's not bad, but the execution looks really rushed. And Superman looks all kinds of janky. The head looks too big. The uh, his upper body, his upper body, his upper body is going in a I don't know. It just doesn't match the stance that his lower body is supposed to be in. I mean, I understand he's getting hit by an energy blast, but it looks terrible. I'm not going to say it's the worst art I've ever seen or anything like that. I mean, it's still Gil Kane art. It's still pretty good. But, yeah, Superman is way janky in this. The title of the issue is, If a Body Meets a Body, 
Our writers are Carrie Bates and Elliot S. Magan. The penciler was Kurt Swan. Inker was Dave Hunt. The letterer was Ben Oda. The colorist was Tony Tallinn. And the editor was Julie Schwartz. And Superman was, of course, created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. So we begin with a broadcast of the Expositional News Network, copyright Michael Bailey, which is actually WGBS. And Clark is bringing us up to speed on what has happened in the last issue. After concluding the broadcast, Clark heads to his favorite storeroom to change the Superman, where he's greeted by the floating head of Vartox. It's a hologram. This is still a code-approved comic, after all. But anyway, Superman can't attack it because his feet or hands just go straight through it. Although he does make this... Um, threat of splattering the head across a mountainside so that's kind of un-superman anyway uh even though superman can't attack it it can attack superman and it sends him flying out of the side of the building taunting him this whole time now superman uses his heat vision real quick to vaporize the debris so it doesn't hurt anyone below because he's a good hero uh but instead of fixing the wall he decides the best thing to do for the city right now is to get out of town so later that evening, we catch up with Lana's secret admirer, now identified as Wallace Gurkheim. I don't know where they came up with that name. That is a... I would almost wonder if they knew a Wallace Gurkheim. Anyway, uh, now that Vartox has taken Lana, Wallace feels he no longer has anything to live for. So he uses the last of his money to rent a boat with no plans on returning it. Sends a suicide note floating in a bottle and then rows himself out to sea. I, I guess he's going to, you know, just float there till the sun exhaustion and dehydration and lack of food kill him. Heck of a way to go. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, in an ancient Incan ruin in Peru, Vartox's shadow in the firelight reveals to Lana that he isn't, ironically, her old flame. So Sraka proceeds to tell his story. He's basically this large single cell of RNA. He doesn't know how he came to be, just that his first memory was floating through space on a mission to find something. Crossing paths with a passing space cruiser, he entered the body of the pilot, realizing that he was hungry for energy. Unfortunately, the pilot didn't provide him with much and died pretty quickly, looking rather dried up. Now, actually, I have to say, if you look at the art, the, this, this pilot is an alien, of course, and it's orange and dried up like this. It kind of looks like an early version of the thing from the Fantastic Four. Kind of cool. Anyway, the ship landed on a nearby planet that was protected by a humanoid-looking hero. Sraka entered the human's or entered the hero's body, only to find that there, this hero was full of energy, and he was able to use this body for quite a while until it too ran out of energy. But he managed to meet up with the hero's mate and entered her body as she checked on him. See. She also possessed great power, and he was able to use her body for a while, too, realizing that there was a pattern forming. He could enter the body of a super being while they were suffering the pain of a great loss, such as the death of a mate. He tested this when his newer body started failing him by going to this other planet and causing this great amount of destruction. Now, granted, the image just shows it looks like you made a... Uh, she? It's in a female body at this point, so she made a crater on the planet, uh, but apparently this was great destruction. Anyway, uh, the planet's hero came out to face her in anger and in pain, and so Sreka was able to enter his body and continue on his merry way. This pattern continued for quite a while, 
with him hopping into various heroes across various planets across various galaxies until he fought Vartox. Vartox thought that he'd killed the hero that Sraka had inhabited, and this put Var Vartox in just the proper condition and state of mind for Sraka to take over his body. Now, with anger over his old friend turning against him and using Lana as bait, Sraka plans to set up Superman so that he can take over his body. Which, by the way, is apparently the ultimate body, because this is Superman's title and he's Kryptonian, I guess. Anyway, back near Metropolis, Wallace's boat happens to cross paths with an ocean liner. Unable to do anything about it, Wallace just sits there as the ocean liner crashes through his boat as though it were paper. But as the ocean liner continues on its merry way without even realizing anything has happened, apparently, from the wreckage flies some sort of energy being humanoid in shape. We then move to Superman's fortress where he's creating something called a biorefractor that's going to allow him to home in on Vartox's alien biology. But he's interrupted when the humanoid energy being crashes through a wall and into the fortress. And just keeps flying. Superman gives chase and eventually catches up to the being, slowing it down long enough to see that it is Wallace, whom Superman recognizes from the previous issue. Later, Sraka sends out a special broadcast all over the Earth, calling for Superman to meet him at the Incan Temple in Peru, even giving him the coordinates. Now, I haven't looked it up, so I'm not 100% sure those coordinates are accurate, but he gives some. Soon, Superman arrives in Peru, spotting Vartok standing at the top of the temple, and an X-ray vision scan shows Lana hung upside down over boiling oil. While Superman and Sraka engage in battle, Wallace enters the temple to free Lana. Outside, Sraka uses Vartox's power to blast into the temple, seemingly killing Lana. The, there's, it's quiet, there's smoke, and apparently there's a smell that could be burning human flesh. Now, feeling anger and pain, Superman strikes at Sraka, and as they fight, Sraka leaves Vartox's body, causing him to fall away. But when he goes to enter Superman's body, Superman grabs the creature and takes it to a deep freeze on Pluto. Meanwhile, Wallace and Lana arrive to the nearly used up body of Vartox, where we learn that Wallace's sudden superpowers were a result of Vartox's essence inhabiting his body. So Vartox reclaims his own body as Superman returns back from Pluto. Vartox and Superman make up. Lana promises Wallace a job at WGBS, which seems kind of creepy, so I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And the heroes take their non-powered friends for a bird's eye tour of one of Earth's most beautiful continents. And that's how our story ends. Now, first thing I want to point out. Now, I understand wanting to help Wallace. I mean, he did kind of save the day and, you know, he's down on his luck. But this guy's really creepy. I mean, have we forgotten that just last issue of Superman... We saw that he had a mannequin that he made up to look like Lana that he not only talks to, but also kisses on occasion. I mean, employment is good and it will help him, but he's going to need some therapy as well. Uh, other than that, this was a fairly good wrap up. The art, again, is very good in my opinion. Uh, I'm really growing fond of Hunt's inks on Swan. I should say fonder because I was already liking them anyway. If there is one gripe, the fight probably could have been a bit more dynamic, but it worked for the issue and it worked for the story and I didn't lose any interest while they were fighting. So I thought it was great. Uh, but that's going to be it for this issue. This time I do have a meanwhile column. So I'm going to play a quick promo and I'll be right back. But this time playing us out is the number one song for the week of release for this issue, which was All Night Long by Lionel Richie. So I'll play that and I'll be right back. 
Charlie's GeekCast will return after these promos. Between the golden age of Atlantis and the rise of recorded history, there were ages undreamed of. Hither came heroes and villains possessing swords and magic, whose deeds became tales and legends. I have come to relate these sagas. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Days of High Adventure, a new podcast discussing a variety of comics that fall into the fantasy or sword and sorcery genre. Available on most podcast services and Anchor FM. It was the early 1990s, the Dark Ages. The Transformers toy line was over, finished. Without toys in the shelves to advertise, the comic book series created to sell them was likewise cancelled after an 80-issue run. Then, the impossible happened. I didn't believe you. I thought you were lying to me. Transformers were back in toy stores, and perhaps even more importantly, Transformers were back on the comic book shelves as well. But this run of Transformers comic proved to be somewhat different than what we'd seen before. I can implode neutrons! All of a sudden, the battle between the Autobots and Decepticons threatened to have real consequences. That was a low-yield neutron implosion! That was also the precise location of our transport! And brawn! Exploding off of the comic book pages with darker, grittier storylines and vibrant, some might even say, neon colors. The, the very first thing I noticed was a very 90s art style. Truly, this was not your father's Autobot. Not Your Father's Autobot is a 13-episode, limited-run podcast beginning in early 2021. Join me, Mark Baker-Wright, also known as GB Blackrock, and my brother, Nick Wright, as we go through the entire Marvel US run of Transformers Generation 2, issue by issue, as we look at the series that brought Transformers back from oblivion. After this series, Transformers will never be the same. Look for Not Your Father's Autobot on Podbeam via blackrockstoybox.blogspot.com or wherever podcasts may be found. We now return to Charlie's GeekCast. All right, and we're back with the Meanwhile column for this week, which is Meanwhile, back at the ranch, with guest columnist Robert Lauren Fleming. So this isn't a Dick Giordano column, this is a Robert Lauren Fleming column. Anyway, he writes, if you enjoy team books such as the new Teen Titans, Batman and the Outsiders, the Legion of Superheroes, and the Justice League of America, prepare yourselves for Thriller. Because it's not like any of them. 
Thriller refers to the main character, an omnipotent ethereal female who performs the godlike function of manipulating and coordinating earthly events. Sort of a cross between Jesus Christ and my mom. Thriller's team is called the Seven Seconds because they're her seconds in the fight against crime and evil. Actually, they function more as operatives than as a team, like the Shadows crew or Doc Savage's men. But if you get right down to it, they're not operatives either. They're an Italian family, the Savatinis. Allow me to introduce you. First up, we have Daniel Grove. He's the only normal Joe in this outfit. He's a cameraman for the Satellite News Network, and all he wanted out of life was to end it. Thriller had other plans for this reluctant hero. Data, or Data, is a genius who lives in the back seat of his Rolls Royce. He drives the car with his brain. He's not interested in brushing his teeth or playing volleyball or seeing Superman the movie. He just wants information, although by this time Superman 3 was out, so yeah. Anyway, so big heaping gobs of information. White Satan, no I'm sorry, that's White Satin, is beautiful but deadly. One brush of her fingers and you may die laughing or vomiting. Or you may fall asleep or stiffen like a board, and that's only assuming you won't just plain drop dead. She's a girl who everyone's in love with. But is it really worth it? Salvo is Tony Salvatini, Thriller's twin brother and a crack shot who can blow your eyelashes off at 30 paces or rip off a thug's windbreaker with live ammo. He's too good a shot to ever have to kill. His creed, only flesh wounds. Out patience. I won't kill a fly, so don't ask me. Beaker Parish is an enormous synthetic Roman Catholic priest created in an Aaron Meyer Beaker by two renegade Harvard medical students. Adopted by a Roman Catholic parish, including the Salvatini family, the article baby, the artificial baby grew into a nine-foot-tall seminary student. Amen. Wow. Proxy used to be Robert Ferrillo. Actor. Could also be Ferrillo. You know, depending on how you pronounce it. Proxy used to be Robert Ferrillo, actor, before he almost burned himself to death, freebasing cocaine. The synthetic skin that saved his life proved unstable. It tends to melt every 24 hours. Now he can become anyone for a day, depending on how he applies his artificial flesh. It comes in plastic bags. I don't know, that kind of sounds clay-face-ish to me, other than the cocaine part. Crackerjack is an underaged illegal immigrant from Honduras, who was also a master escape artist, pickpocket, safecracker, and contortionist. But his favorite occupation is watching television and eating Fruit Loops. That's my family. Hope you like them. They go on exciting adventures fighting horrible villains like Scabbard. He's got a three-foot-long scimitar sheathed in the skin of his back. That's right. And make new friends like Kane Creole, rock and roll bank robber, thinks he's you-know-who. Hey, I know they're weird, but that's family for you. If you'd like to subscribe to Thriller, you can send a bunch of money to DC Comics subscriptions. Apparently it was $15 for 12 issues. And it's in DC's deluxe format, for so it was a buck twenty-five per copy. So that was actually what I was what comics cost when I started reading comics in '92. And a $15 subscription was for your average comics like Batman. So after he finishes all of the inf the uh, subscription information and says to hurry because this offer expires on December 31st, 1983. So if you have this issue, it's too late. 
Uh, he says, P.S. Thanks, Dick. So at the end, we have Dick Giordano come on and say, you're welcome, Bob. I don't know if I had the, if I had the energy to write this column anyway. Too much traveling lately. I'll tell you all about it next month. Thank you and good afternoon. Now there's images. I guess it's the Sabatini's. I don't, I'm, it looks like the artist might be Frank Miller. I can't honestly tell. It looks Frank Millerish to me, at least from this era. It's too early to be John. It doesn't look like John Byrne, really. It looks like Frank Miller, I guess. I could be wrong. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode, so I want to thank you all for listening. This was our last issue of Superman to cover during this run. Uh, after this, uh, Carrie Bates takes a step back for a little bit, and then we have some weird stuff happen for a few issues that doesn't involve any of the stuff we've learned, we've gone over in the past few months going through this storyline so this is the end of our superman run next time we will be picking up action comics number 552 and continuing with that for a little bit i hope you all have a great week and i will see you next time for more superman greatness bye everybody thank you for listening to charlie's geek cast feedback for the show can be sent to charlie's geek cast at gmail.com or you can feel free to leave a comment at the show's posting at charliesgeekcast.com all images and music heard on the show are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for entertainment purposes only. No infringement is intended. Charlie's Geekcast is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Please be sure to stop by Two True Freaks to check out more great shows. Thank you again for listening, and good night. Good night.